was my own. It was a place that I went to because my, my parents went there, and that was something that we did every single Sunday morning, and so got to do it. And then kind of as I started growing a bit older, I started asking a couple more questions and just not getting responses that I was happy with, that, that sat well with me. Um, and so as I got older and started to, to look at this a bit more, I was, I got really, really frustrated because I would often hear about these stories of these amazing things happening to these people where, you know, they'd hear a specific word from God or they start speaking in tongues or they got saved from something else. And I just never, ever experienced that. And so I realized now that I started to become very, very cynical of that because, you know, if I'm seeing this all around me and I feel like I'm putting in the time and it's never, ever paying out, you know, may, maybe just like, maybe there's nothing in this for me. Maybe other people are experiencing something that either I won't experience or they're just getting it wrong. And so with that, I started kind of seeking purpose elsewhere. Um, and yeah, kind of just started falling away from church more and more and stepping into things that were a lot more fun for me, um, which ended up with um, me going out a lot and partying a ton and yeah, just falling into a lifestyle that really kind of wasn't where wasn't what I was raised for and wasn't what um, yeah, my parents would support and you know what, what the church had raised me to, to go into. And so, yeah, um, this also really kind of didn't sit well, well with me because this entire time when I, when I was going out into these spaces, I'd been raised in a Christian household. And so I had all of these, these values and these morals that I couldn't rectify and we're going against kind of like a lot of the things that I was doing, but I didn't know why I, you know, wanted to, you know, keep these morals. And so it left me as a very, very kind of conflicted and confused person. Um, and so kind of that stemmed and just kind of added to the whole kind of driving me away from Christ. Um, and so anyway, got through high school and I went away on my gap year and this was kind of the first time that I was living alone without the parental influence, without kind of their pressure, without them saying, cool camp, Sunday we're going to go through to church now. And so it was kind of the first time that I had that full independence and I went through there and got completely sidetracked. Um, but in that, a lot was revealed to me in that year. Um, I went to a place, I went and I worked on the super yachts, so it's like for the mega, mega wealthy, and I kind of saw the lifestyle that I was aiming towards, um, and I saw how empty it was. You know, all of these people were just craving to fill something and would never, ever get to that point, and it was, and it was a constant pattern with all of these different people. They'd, you know, come onto the boys, and they'd literally just party um, and... It was, it was sad to see because we'd see them in their like absolute ecstasy, but then we'd see them the next morning where they are the lowest, the low, and you can just see how broken and, and empty these people are. And I was, and I was really struck by that because I was like, Flip, is this, is this the life that I'm building towards? Is this what I'm, you know, um, idolizing? Because if, if this is everything that, you know, I want and I want to be successful, I want to, you know, go out into the professional world and I want to absolutely smash it. Is this what it culminates in? 
and I wasn't stoked about that. So I mean, that just added to the confusion because I thought, hey, I've, I've tried Christianity, I've tried church, there's nothing there. Now looking at, at you know, the kind of fulfillment that, that wealth brings you, there's nothing there either. I just, yeah, I really, really wasn't, wasn't too sure about kind of where to go. And so came back um, to South Africa after some, some pretty intense experiences. Um, and yeah, um, came back, went straight into studying, and within four weeks of that, COVID shut everything down. So it came even more insular. And about four months later, I was at a friend's party and ended up meeting a couple of friends who invited me to come through to church again. And I was 100% for it, like, that could be cool. Let's see what this, what this vibe is. Um, and I came through and I arrived late, um, unsurprisingly. And <laughs> yeah, I walked in and I saw a bunch of people that were just worshiping with every single part that they had, every single essence of their being. They were there. You know, in my, in my last church, it was like, you were the weirdo if you sat at the front, put your hands up. But everyone was doing that. Everyone was there and just pouring themselves out. And chatting to these guys afterwards, you know, it wasn't just a single isolated incident. It was how they lived their entire lives. And I was like, this is a healthy church. This, this is something that actually has substance to it. This is something that, that I see in other people that I want for myself. This is, this is, yeah, this is purpose. This is what we were made to do. And so, yeah, I started building into this community. And, you know, I don't think I ever had a, you know, coming to Christ again, salvation moment. And it was definitely a gradual thing. But it's just been the most incredible. And, you know, these rules that I once viewed as so constrictive are now just like things that I want to live my life by because of love for Christ. You know, it's it's such a shift from being a, a like, kind of a very, very rule, law-following um, system to be like, hey, let's join together. Let's work towards getting ourselves as much as like Christ and as close to Christ as possible. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's, it's an incredible community that God's brought me into. Um, it's like a loving family that's just a bunch of people that are seeking and serving God and like people that will also push you and challenge you. And I think that was a massive thing as well because, you know, in this church, it's so incredible to see how connected you are. You know, you'll come in here and we start late because you have so many people to greet, you know. Um, everyone wants to know, hey, what's happening in your life? What's, you know, going on over here? How can I help you? How can I support you? How can I, you know, come behind you? And also they'll step into your life over there and they'll speak into it and be like, hey, this isn't great. And I think that's just so beautiful as well, you know. And it's, it's just so, so not the norm. And it's just like, Reflecting back in this time and looking over my life, you know, I don't know why God didn't show up when I was, you know, in church initially and I really thought that I was crying out. But looking back over the time where I did leave, like, church and and stepped away from it, I just see, like, him again and again coming through and protecting me from so much and saving me from so much. And, yeah, it's just, it's, it's so incredible to see how God has an individual plan for each and every single person, you know, like he'll go out and he'll actively pursue you where you are at that time. And yeah, I think it's, I think it's truly amazing. So that's my story. Thank you very much. Guys.
Um, it's amazing how much I think my story resonates with Cam's, actually. Um, so when Luke asked me to share this, I've been agonizing the whole week whether I should give the, the PG easy listening version <laughs> or no holds barred, but I think let's, let's go all out. <laughs> um, so I think similar to Cam, I grew up in the Engierkerk and went to church. And um, when I was in high school, uh, my music teacher, actually, they were amazing people and they loved the Lord. And she asked me one day, um, she was always talking about Jesus, and then asked me, have I given my life to the Lord? Have I prayed this in his prayer? And I was like, I, I mean, I'm in church, but I, I don't know. It doesn't feel like I've done that, so let's do it. Um, so I did. I prayed, and I led Jesus into my heart. And I really had this, I thought, I'm going to wake up tomorrow, and my life's going to be different. I'm going to be like a different person, and it's going to be amazing. And, um, and oh, yeah, it, it <laughs> just felt the same. Anyway, so I kept going on, and then... Um, my parents got divorced just around about that time, actually, um, and my dad left. And so I, as a child and most of my school years, I really did struggle with depression. And by, when I was in matric, it got really, really bad. And there was actually a point where I tried to slit my wrists and I just wanted to be dead. And I was really, really depressed. My mom was also depressed. And it was just, no, it was not a lack of time. But I, I kept sort of crying out to Jesus, but I was also not in a healthy church. I didn't have community around me. Um, and then got to university, and then things just kind of unraveled from there. And um, I, had a, I had a huge father wound, and um, I was looking for love in all the wrong places and actually started also the party scene and partying and drinking and... Um, yeah, I started, I, I lost my virginity to a guy that I really didn't care about. Um, he, was, he actually had a girlfriend, and it was, it was horrible, but just kept going. But, but in that same time also, the, the teacher who, um, who, yeah, who loved Jesus, she, they were still speaking into my life, and I went to these FFI, Family Foundation International courses, and I, I learned a lot about the Lord, but still I was also choosing this life of sin and this partying. And I also, I was um, very destructive to myself. I had a lot of like self-harming tendencies. I still have like cigarette burns on my arms and cuts and things. Um, also just mixing with the wrong crowd and falling into that. And I think just, just a lot of brokenness um, in me. And then... Um, Finished studying, and then I met, I met a guy on a hike, and he was quite a nice guy and very decent, decent fella. Um, <laughs> he's a bit older than me, but I really, really liked him. Um, and it was towards the end of my studies, and we started going out, but he lived in Pretoria. So I decided the next year to move to Pretoria, and I was going to do a postgraduate certificate in education. And I enrolled at Tux, and I moved to Pretoria for him, and we did our relationship, and it was great. It was nice, and he was really, he's a, he loved the Lord, and he was really a solid guy. Um, and then towards the end of that year, I started getting quite sick and tired and didn't know what was going on. Went to the doctor, did some tests. They said, oh, looks like maybe um, tick fever, 
and it'll get better. It didn't get better. Weeks later, I went back to the doctor, and I was crying. I said, I just want a bus to run me over because I can't. I don't know what's wrong, but I cannot go on. Did some more tests, and it turned out it was leukemia. And um, I was 24 at that time. Um, Then I went for a a bone marrow biopsy, and that same day, I just got really sick. I started throwing up, and my mom came immediately when she heard. My mom was still in bloom. She came to it immediately when she heard the news. Um, And then I was rushed to hospital and started chemo. Um, So I was in a hospital for for a month or so. I lost all my hair. And then for about a year after that, I still had to go for regular, like weekly chemo treatments. And in that time, it was physically, it was hard. It was so hard. I was throwing up more than I was not throwing up. (laughs) Um, But I, but I felt the Lord's presence so close to me and um, just felt his love over me. And he, he really carried me through, through that time. And then um, I had a stem cell transplant also just to make sure that the cancer doesn't come back. And that was also successful, found a donor, the medical aid paid for everything. So it was really God's goodness in that and his hand in that. And I really grew grew close to him in that time. And then, uh, so me and Wagner were still together throughout all of that. He actually, he stuck with me. He drove to the other side of Pretoria every night to come and visit me in the hospital. And he was, he was incredible. Um, and then about two years later, so coming out of the cancer, getting healed, and actually we started joining a nice church, Every Nation, and it was good. And um, one weekend I went back to Bloom to my mom, and then I, uh, I received a call from Badner's phone, and I answered, and called, we called it other awesome, that was our nickname. I'm like, hi, awesome. And um, it wasn't awesome on the other side, it was... Uh, a person from a, like a park in Pretoria saying that Wagner had had an accident. Um, so he actually, what happened is he had a heart attack while he was mountain biking and he did not make it. Um, so he passed away there in Grunkloof. And yeah, that was, that was, yeah, that was a tough one. I really thought we were going to get married and he was, you guys would have loved him. He was awesome. He really was a cool guy. <laughs> but so, yeah, so then, but also in that time, like, God was, was so close to me, and he really, he, he carried me through that, and he was good to me. But then um, the year after that, so I've always wanted to live in Cape Town. I love Cape Town, and I had an opportunity to move there before, but Badner's work situation would not allow that at the time so I decided no to leave it but then that opportunity came up again and that was to come and do a postgraduate degree in double bass performance at UCT so I'm a musician that's um, what I do now for a living so I decided to take this opportunity and the the person who offered it to me um, he was he's a he was a double bass teacher but he was also a conductor and everything and he he really made a way for me to come to Cape Town to come and do this, this degree. Um, so I came, and I actually immediately joined Josh Jane because my cousin was here, and the first time I walked into City Bowl, Ryan Kingsley was there with his smile, and he's like, hey, you're new, and I'm like, yes, and he's like, welcome. 
wow, this place is cool. <laughs> um, so I never even visited. I just joined Josh then immediately. And then I also started my studies. But yeah, um, I think coming through all of that, I was quite, I, I think I didn't realize how broken or hurt, what, whatever. Um, I was in a very, very vulnerable space and moving and everything. Um, and then this teacher, um, yeah, he's married guy, family and everything. And um, he started messaging me, these WhatsApp messages. And so started messaging back and we had this back and forth, back and forth. And at some point I said to him, I don't know, I'm these not sitting quite well with me, but, you know, what if your wife sees? I mean, it wasn't dodgy messages, but it was still married man. Um, and he said, no, but don't worry about it. But, you know, so we go on. But he, what I later realized is this guy was such a narcissist. So what started happening was we had this kind of WhatsApp relationship and he would message me and be all kind and whatever. And then, but then when we were in front of people or at the orchestra or whatever, he would just ignore me. And he continued to do that. He like pushed me away and I would be so hurt, and then comes the messages, and then it's all, oh, it's so amazing. And, um, and, and oh, that I cried, I cried, I cried. For two years, I cried, because this was just so hurtful to me, like finding this little bit of love and then being pushed away. And all the while also knowing that this is, this is not healthy. This is, this is so wrong. And... Um, my comm leaders at that time, I, they, they prayed for me, and I sort of, I divulged some of the information, but I also wasn't quite open about the whole situation. And at, at some point I knew I, I could get out of this, but, but that pull was so strong that I, I never actually took that step of faith and just decided to step out of that. And so I kept being in this, this destructive cycle, and we would go away a lot because he would conduct in different places and then they would need a double bass player. So I would go Vintuk and PE and Bloom and traveling around and then just constantly being in this push and pull and push and pull. And it, it eventually, it, it broke me, it broke me completely. Um, and almost like just before my final exam, he just stopped talking to me. And I, <laughs> I still believe to this day that that was God that that intervened there because I mean, this just was going on. Um, and um, I failed my last exam, actually, <laughs> and I had to redo it. Um, and then at, he still, he, he, just, he just left. I, there was just nothing there anymore. <sighs> but what, it was actually such a saving grace because finally I could start ridding myself of him. He, he had such an effect on me that if, even if I think I see his car coming, like my whole body would go numb. And only later did I realize that that was actually, it was shock. My body would go into shock when I just see a glimpse of this guy because he, he was so destructive to me. Um, um, yeah, and then, so we went, a year after that, the orchestra went on tour and um, to Hong Kong and Dubai, and then there was a, another conductor there. And I don't, guys, yeah, like, 
I don't know how I got myself into that situation, but at some point he invited me to come to his room for, I don't know, under what pretense, and I, I went, and um, he was also, also a married man, and I found myself in his bed, and yeah, it's just, <laughs> I can't believe it. But anyway, I said, no holds barred. This is, this is really where I was. And um, um, to have finished, and then we, start, we kept communicating with each other. And I didn't, th- these things I didn't tell anybody. I was in church. I was praising the Lord. I was loving the Lord. But meanwhile, I was sleeping with a married conductor. And... Um, we, yeah, we continued messaging each other, and um, by the end of that year, um, my mom came to visit, and now my mom is not saved. She, she's a very live and let live, as long as everybody's happy kind of person, like, and we don't really talk about deep stuff. We just, she's, she's like, a, and it's, all, it's good. Um, at, and we were... In, um, in Malkos, and I was chatting to this guy over the phone, and my mom picked up on that conversation. I don't know how she knew. I, um, and at some point during that, she said to me, Sanal, what are you doing? This is not you. This is not what you stand for. This is not what you believe in. What are you doing? Yo. <laughs> like, yo. Yeah, you're right. This is like your this conviction. And now I'm not a great journaler. I don't write lots of things, but every now and then I do jot down some things. And um, sometimes I, I give the year a name, like say this is going to be my year of generosity. And then I, I like I want to grow in that, and I want to walk in that. And um, so that year, I wrote at the, at the beginning of the year. I said this is a year of victory. Because it was now after the whole teacher thing and everything and everything. I want a year of victory. I want to walk in victory. Um, And this was now almost, this was the last day of December of that year. And I looked back and I said, this was supposed to be a year of victory. I'm I'm not walking in victory. I'm enslaved by sin. And then and there I said, God... Even if this is now the last day of the year, let this be, let this be victory. Let this be the day that we draw a line in the sand. And I'm going to finish this year in victory. And um, I messaged him and, and just said, leave me alone. It, it's done. We, I just, it's done. And I've always had this picture of me and that's what my life has been like up to then was this I knew a lot about God and his kingdom and I was in church and I I learned a lot of things went on outreaches did things so like I had my one foot in the kingdom but then there's this line and I had my other foot in the world and I was continuously walking with one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world just towing this line all the time all the time and and suddenly I was like God what does it look like? What does it look like to be all in? To just actually step onto this side. And I was reminded of that scripture in Revelation 3.17. It says, um, uh, because you were lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, 
I will spit you out of my mouth. And that thing hit me, and I was like, that is exactly what I am. I am lukewarm. I'm not hot or cold. I am, yeah. So I, I repented. And repentance is not, Lord, I'm so sorry. Okay, let's go. But repentance is turning 180 degrees from your sin and walking away and saying, I'm leaving that behind, and I'm, I'm following you, Jesus. Well, that, this is the kingdom, right? I'm following you. <laughs> following you. And guys, I cannot tell you how freeing it was. We think, like Cam also said, like we think the kingdom is restrictive and it's hard, but guys, his burden is light, his yoke is easy. I do not deserve the grace and kindness that he has shown me over the past five years. Like he's been so incredibly good to me. He set me free from so many things. We've, I've been walking with him. And it's just that he's refining my character. He's, he's healed me of, of lust, of sexual immorality, of depression, of self-harming, of even little things, passive aggressiveness, rejection, all these wounds that I carry. He dealt with that, and, he, and he's, still, he's still refining me every day as I walk with him. But it's just, been, it's just been an amazing walk, just to know that there's not that pull to this side and to that side. Like, I'm in him, and I'm free. And I think what, what, when I thought about, okay, what, what do I want to say? What is the message? And I think it's... When we get saved, we do get saved. We do get saved into the kingdom. But after that, it is, it is a choice. We choose to choose every day. Like, Lord, I am going to follow you. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to give my life to you. And what does it look like? It means I'm stepping away. I'm stepping away from sin. And it's possible. And he's there. And he will be there. And he will catch you. And there is grace. When we fall back or what, for a moment, there is still grace. but. But just keeping on in, <laughs> yeah, in his kingdom, it is. There's nothing like it. I, yeah, just want to thank you, Jesus, and and also just the little things that I prayed for. Like um, for so long, I desired like a good group of friends, and he's just been so faithful in rewarding me with the best friends that I could ever ask for. Like being in a church, so important. Just have people around you, being accountable. So. I feel like somebody needs to hear this. Like, if you are walking, there's part of you walking in sin, being a slave. I know it's so hard to be honest about it because there's shame and there's guilt and all these things. But once you've done it, just put it out there, and I promise you, you're gonna be gonna be so much better off. You're gonna feel so much lighter. So, yeah. yeah. Daniel, maybe we'll get to you, but I, I, I do feel we need to respond to that, don't we? So, if there's anyone here who doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, there's two types of responses I think that we need. One, for those who don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And either have had that sort of experience that Cam has had, or 
one that like Zanel or maybe yours is completely different, but you know you need Jesus. You know you need his miracle working power to change you. If that's you, you need to respond this morning. But for other people, you've got one foot in the grave and you've got one foot in life. And I think probably many of us can relate to that. If that's you, I want you to respond this morning. If there's areas in your life that you know, as Zanel said, I need to repent and go that way and leave this behind. If that's you, I want you to respond this morning as well. So if, I, if any of you are in either of those two categories, you know the Holy Spirit is banging on your heart right now. I want you to respond right now. Can you do that? If that's you, will you stand? If you know that God is knocking, that... There's something, there's, you need to respond to God this morning. Can you do that? Thank you, Christoph. God is looking for a response. God wants to change things this morning. God wants to set you free. It is for freedom that Christ came He came to destroy the works of the enemy. He came to destroy our destructive lives so that we may be set free. Can you guys come forward? We'd love to pray for you. Folks, if if you've got faith to come and pray with these people, please come. Jesus came to set us free. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus. You are good. You are good. Your love endures forever. You are good, O oh God. Let's pray for breakthrough. If you need to find more space, Please, there's lots of it, lots more space in this built in this room. Go to a corner somewhere.
if you're not part of the praying, will you just continue praying for the people who are being prayed for in your seats? We'll close this meeting in a minute or two. But just keep sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Keep praying for these people as they experience the life-changing power of God.